I'm a loner and a stoner and I shouldn't have shown her my boner. The thing is, I can't sing the song I was doing again, because if we're honest, and I'm very honest with myself, it's not like the pair of you laughed that fucking much. Well, see, that's because, you know, I was I was I was doing the checklist. I had the checklist in my head. There's actually no record of how much I laughed at it, yeah. Jim. So you could just say that it was uproariously funny to both of us and there'd be nothing to confirm or deny it. Yeah. But then then I couldn't have a crack at the pair of you. Then I couldn't have a fucking go. If I wasn't laughing, it's because I'm doing the, the, the worky bit where I'm like, okay, if we got everyone set up, okay, we should probably do the count in and say, I'm I'm doing doing the, the work prep. Hang on, I'm just I'm a little bit I'm a little bit fascinated. That is a very Republican point of view. That it's our fault that you weren't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Conrad cancel. Party of personal responsibility. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, the point the point of the podcast is that I don't want people to say I look nice because I've got a glow or I look happier now. I want them to say it because of dad ass. Mm. I mean, how many like selfies are you posting where it is squarely front and centre frame is dad ass? I mean, one. But, you know, some more mentions of it would be f- nice. I mean... Uh- You've you got to put that ass out there if you yeah. want compliments on that ass. This is um, sort of a, a, a blanket permission to sexually objectify that ass. Is that what we're getting at? It's all I want. It's the purest form of affirmation. <laughs> I 100, 100% agree with you. Yeah, because they're not saying, oh, you know, I'm more attracted to you because of your personality. I'm like, I know that. I know that's what gets me laid. But... <laughs> Dad ass though. I I'm I'm gonna send you two in the the Facebook chat. We have an image, um, and I will post it on Twitter when the episode goes up. I understand and recognize that it is powerful to have dad ass objectified and complimented. Someone once made a, a meme of Tracer admiring my ass, oh. and it's it's one of my favorite images. I own is just Tracer really admiring that ass. Well, and you can own it now. You can own it. Yeah. With your very own NFT, you can get your own ass. And really, is that not the American dream to own our own asses? Just someone. It's just so nice that there's someone willing to sell us our own asses back to us. <laughs> Welcome to capitalism. <laughs> I'm going for a monopoly on my ass. Um, but I may re- redistribute the wealth if someone seizes the means of production. Hey! Fuck me in the ass, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it... it uh, right, Laura gets... Laura gets Tracer looking at her ass. I've seen Overwatch fan art with me, and it's me being railed by Roadhog, uh, road which, to be honest... I'd be fine. First of all, I'd be fine with the road dog railing me as well. Two tears in a bucket. And if you ain't down with that, we got two words for you. But I mean, it was good art. And to be fair, someone also did once do me being done right up the ass by a um, footer elf. And it was very good. I forgot how much ass admiration art there is that exists. Mm. Uh, someone photoshopped my ass being cradled by Norman Reedus from Death Stranding. That's a pretty good oh, one. Oh, keep showing off. Yeah. And then there's one of uh, Indiana Jones admiring my ass <laughs> as if it's the, the, the totem on the podium. He's like, hmm, how, how do I take that ass? <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, it's not just the ass. I mean, you... Everyone can objectify the tits as well. Sure, sure. Hey, hey, your tits and ass are fucking fantastic. I mean, obviously, yes. Yeah. That's all I needed. Um, welcome to Podquisition. <laughs> it's a podcast where we tell you if your favourite video games are great or dad I am. <laughs> um, how is everyone? Well, the UK's getting rid of the right to protest, and that's pretty terrifying, but video games! Oh, I tell you what, that's got good implications, huh? Yeah. That's the mark of a healthy democracy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's always a sign of a healthy democracy when uh, they, they threaten a 10-year prison sentence for protest that is inconvenient. 
inconvenient protest. Inconvenient for who? Because you know those people are taking off work. They have other shit to do. <sighs> are they committing a crime against themselves by being there? They're owning their own assets. Protests <laughs> are the NFT of, of going outside. I don't know. How are you both doing? Well, I haven't been <laughs> imprisoned for a protest, but I have been traumatized by the American medical system. Sorry, industry. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's come see, come yeah. sir. I can't quite pinpoint the time where even with that happening, I stopped thinking to myself, well, the UK is always still there as a backup. It stopped being an escape route, friends. I genuinely have been looking at, um, I'm entitled to Canadian citizenship and like, Oh, go for it. I'm real considering doing that citizenship test. Well, I, yeah, people have, you know, I, I know especially trans people in the yeah. UK. Like, I've, I've seen quite a few with their exit strategies. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks, but that's how it is now. It's depressing that, like, at nearly 30, I've finally gone, oh yeah, I should probably get that Canadian passport uh, just in fucking case. I mean, I, I've i been more open recently about the way I experienced the United Kingdom and what it did to me. Yeah. And that was bad enough. And the thought of going back now gives me... I've got to. I've got a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and I want folks to catch up on, uh, catch up with and, and everything, but... I won't pretend the thought's good, especially some of the places I've got to go. Like yeah. my old haunts that were the worst experiences of my life. Uh, at least I got my brother and he's dangerous. In many scary ways, he'll look after me. How are you, Conrad? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for that $2,000 stimulus check that Joe Biden promised me. So's pretty much everyone I know. Yeah, yeah, no sign of it yet, no. Yeah, but I'm still waiting for all of the $2,000. Oh, this isn't get... like one of those, oh, they promised me $2,000, but they're only giving me $1,400. I didn't get the 600 yeah. either. So. Oh, well, I meant people, like, I've, I've got people, like, struggling to get the the current, but the full whack. Yeah, I haven't gotten any of it. <sighs> I won't make a reference to other businesses who've dicked you over, Conrad, but mm. I was about to say, like, is this a fucking habit? <laughs> is, is this a habit of people just not getting you? I think it's just an organizational yeah. thing. If you're an organization, you, you eventually just don't pay me. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, right, listeners, in fairness to me, I pay everyone That's on true. time. Yeah. He doesn't invoice me. That's right. That's right. I have a tendency to not invoice. <laughs> Laura invoices me. Laura messages yeah. me to let me know she's invoiced me. And then I have a brief second like I have with everyone where I think, bloodsuckers. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do. Like, you do. Even if, like, someone, like, you borrowed money off someone and they very genuinely need it back. There's a small instinct that just goes, how dare they? Um, just that horrible, ugly bit. Um, but no, seriously, I, I immediately, or, you know, if the, sometimes it's a little before the cash has dropped in my um, thingy. In yeah, like, but... Well, not my, the company account. Oh, fancy. I get to pay myself. I give myself enough to survive in America, and it's tough, especially for someone who keeps getting fucked. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Conrad getting fucked, because you've just been, I mean, it's just, oof. yeah, it's bad times for everyone I know, especially fiscally. Yeah, but... There's video games. Hey! We always have video games, and those are always so positive. And yeah, and some of those are free. I mean, they will, yeah. depending on your, your mindset, they may... They might all be free. ...swindle and abuse money out of you. Yeah. Um, Conrad went yeah. a different way. Uh, <laughs> I went with, you know, I went with... with the, the victims of industrial harm and, and Conrad went with just fucking rob them and to be honest <laughs> both fair I mean both both are fair I described Conrad <laughs> the other day I was I've been we've been working on I'm working on some wrestling content and and hopefully streaming some events and and maybe some production and I was bigging Conrad up to someone as a pr production because Conrad's been interested in that side of things and I went he's very good Really likes the uh, really likes the production side. Very ready for the revolution. 
They're very ready for the revolution. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to sell you to the kind of wrestlers I'm talking to, you know, right. basically our kind yeah. of people. Uh-huh. It's just, oh, yeah, I've got this. I mean, he's got the petrol bombs. So <laughs> yeah. he hasn't. Listen, don't, don't, don't light a match in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we want to start this week? Do we want to oh. talk about what we've played or do we want to start with news? Let's start with what we've played because I need to, like, yeah, calm down about the news. Yeah, so that you can ramp back up to it when we get there. That gives me a little time to finish the transactions on owning this podcast. It's mm. another NFT joke, folks. Hey. It's another... NFT joke. We'll do more. You know, I can make an NFT of that joke. Hell yeah, you see? And then I'll get an NFT of you getting an NFT of that joke. You see, we can do this joke constantly. Yeah. I'm going to get an NFT of the Mr. Bucket advert. I want to own that. I want to put my balls in Mr. Bucket's top. That sounds like buckets of fun. And I want to watch him pop out of his mouth. Oh, oh yeah, buckets of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who's played a video game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, Mr. It's, it's fun to be Mr. Bucket. I put your balls in my mouth. It's, it's, a, it's a good laugh. We're going to do that a lot privately later. Uh, <sighs> Who doesn't want to have a video? I've, I've been chatting up a storm, so I'm going to have a little rest if someone else would like to take over. Conrad! Well, uh, all right, it's something, something we have both played. We both played yesterday, actually. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that, that. Oh, so much for my little resty then. Yeah. For God's yeah, sake. See, I, well, this, you, know, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. You let Laura decide who talked next. You're like the British job seeker market. Do you want me <laughs> to apply for 48 jobs in two weeks as well? Oh, we, we, we got that shit here too. Yeah. It's just, it's only because of the pandemic that it's not fucking everybody constantly. Uh. The, the, they're letting the pandemic do a lot of that. Um, Conrad's very ready for the revolution. Very ready for the revolution. Hire him for your wrestling show. <laughs> And let's uh, face it, so many wrestling promotions love the word revolution. They'll, oh, they they'll do. say, you know, they'll name it in their things. They'll use it all the time. Yeah. Uh, maybe not as defined. No, maybe so, not. <laughs> games you right, play. Right, yeah. So, yeah. so I, played, I played some of that werewolf, uh, the apocalypse, hey, Earthblood. Yeah. Taz's commentary on AEW Dark is getting worse. Is it really? I haven't been watching Dark. I watched Elevation. Oh, the one from last week. I've, I've got a bit through it. Elevation was real good. I'm, I'm partway through it. I got a bit... I, I listened to Dark last week, and I was like, what are they even doing? As Excalibur and Taz just go off on their own things now. A match, you wouldn't believe it was on. The only reason I did this was to be naughty. Um, tell us about Werewolf. Although it is a preview of our new podcast, The Hardest Part of the Ring. The Hardest Part of the Ring, it's such a good name. Sorry, it's Laura. Well, be, being, be, what? Being naughty by talking about other people, you know, chatting nonsense to not do the thing they're meant to be doing. <laughs> I, I wash my hands of this audience. It's not on me. Oh, if you no. don't get a video game 15 minutes into the show, it's not my fault. <laughs> It's bad. When Laura pulls a Pontius, it's a, it's a bad time for all. We're at 13 minutes, 35 seconds, no video games. I mean, if I had my way, though. Like, you say 13 minutes to me, and I just think, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. Let's go back to my arse. Um, anyway, Werewolf the Apocalypse Earth. Yeah, so after you talked about it last week, I was like, I'm going to play that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh... That's all right. It's all right, isn't it? It's, it's right. there. It's yeah. a game. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, the most notable. I said it twice on my stream of it yesterday because I just I love it so much that Cyanide is predominantly an RPG developer. Werewolf the Apocalypse is predominant. Well, literally is a tabletop RPG. That's perfect. So the RPG studio takes the <laughs> tabletop RPG and makes a stealth hack and slash out of it. It's Cyanide. They do RPGs. I think that they <laughs> rightly looked at Werewolf the Apocalypse and said, all right, come on. What are we going to be able to sell on this? You know what? I think just a, oh, all right, come on, would have been perfect. <laughs> just, oh, come on. And then they make Altered Beast by accident. Werewolf the Apocalypse is a very, very cool, very interesting tabletop setting with some fascinating social rules and really cool concepts great ideas i made characters 
We made characters for it once, but I never did a game. We've done Vampire and Aberrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like those two a lot. Yeah. Um, I made a Glass Walker because I was playing Saints Row at the time and was thinking of the Deckers. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, the the character just looked like a fucking Decker. Yeah, Glass Walkers are an interesting... Um, well, they, a fun they, idea. They're not clans, tribes. They're tribes yeah. in uh, Werewolf. And, and yeah, that's idea. the one that sort of skirts that line between technology and nature. And mm-hmm. um, that's some interesting stuff. It's just a cool setting. But it is complex. Yeah. And to create a rich role-playing experience out of it, you can do it. As, as I understand it, there's a visual novel. Well, I mean, you know, there's blood... Bloodlines and and that. Well, and, and, and Bloodlines, Bloodline. Well, Bloodlines is a, a vampire game, and that is there's there's something about werewolf and mm-hmm. its combat. Well, I guess as someone who never got that far, yeah, you you, you know, people are just like it's the white wolf game where people do combat, right. That's not my kind of yeah. thing for a white wolf game. Like I I think I told you like. I think I said it in, uh, on your stream and chat the other day. Like, I like White Wolf games because a viable combat option is to hide under a table. I, I right. usually make, no, like, specifically non-combat characters. That's what I do in, in World of Darkness games, too. Yeah. Yeah, I might throw in something to hold their own. But, yeah, like, Vampire, I um, put so much of it into being a liar. Uh, in Hunt of the Reckoning, I was a novelist who, yeah, hid under the table for most of the fight. Uh, maybe a bit of, you know, you can come up with inventive ways to use your skills to do things. Yeah, and that's what attracts me to that system of role-playing in those settings, is that yeah. they are predominantly social games. We should get a game or something together. We should do that I at some point. I want to do Vampire or Aberrant or something. We should all do a, get a whole bunch of remote people in that. But there are things that I really like about Werewolf, Earthblood. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, I, I like the stealth hack and slash combination as a game thing it's good it's all right yeah it's very satisfying i uh, you have this environment and you have a goal and you have ways that you can you know stealth your way through it and it's possible to do all of them or most of them i think mm-hmm. um you know you don't have to initiate combat in a lot of circumstances but it also feels like an inevitability yeah a lot of the time well it's the way i often play games where like stealth and combat are both sort of equally viable and therefore can be more optional i like to go like i approach those games with like let's just thin the ranks Mm -hmm. tip the you know tip the the odds and then fuck stuff up and this is exactly that structure yes it's really Mm -hmm. really good for that you have your enemies that are grouped and then they have the the enemy spawning doors which that's charming i like it yeah it's cute you can fiddle with those yeah yeah yeah, so that's it's, it, there's some good mechanics in there. Mm-hmm. Its narrative delivery is just total <laughs> toss. I can't. It's one of them games that, like, I explicitly can't follow, even when like I'm less distracting. It's like a Call of Duty plot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll perk up for the set pieces, right? But when it's just people talking about dull shit that I don't care about, and they're just, it's like. Okay, you're fighting an evil corporation, first of all. Uh, Second of all, you're so dry. Yeah. They're so dry. The character, the NPCs aren't interesting. The performances are... mm. I couldn't tell you their names. I couldn't tell you what they want. Yeah, I remember Rodko because he got an eye patch. Yeah, they're they're not particularly interesting. The the story is sort of meh, so-so. And the, the thing that I find really amusing are all of the text... Things that are littered around the Cairn yeah. hub area. Um, and and how the you know, you'll read one and then your character will comment on how, you know, when it was written to help give you a sense of the chronology. And he has to do this with all of these. And it just sort of draws attention to the fact that, okay, so this letter was written and it's just been hanging out in this place for God knows how long and has, you know, years in some cases and has somehow found itself to the top of this yeah. thing. I mean, first of all, They'd all have to have been laminated. Because <laughs> you're outside. Yeah. Most documents in games would have to be. There's a, like, there is a note, a paper note, stuck to a rock by a sword that has been there for five <laughs> years and is still legible. 
God, I fucking love video games. They're it's, amazing. It's very, very good. But it's a, it's, you know, I said last week, uh, it's that Eurojank thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's in that bracket, the sort of thing that I, I like to talk about. And Casey likes to talk about, she wants to come on. So she's got more games she wants to talk about. She loves talking about games, and mm. I don't like that on on a podcast. Yeah, that's not really what I you know I sort of see as the vision here. But it's, it's never what I have in mind when I start this show, and I always <laughs> leave bitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, aberrant's good. Now I just want to talk about that. You can be a superhero, except <laughs> you know you can make a monster happen and pull your arm off if you want, and make it walk around. Laura, what did you play? You want to hear about video games, I, do you? It doesn't make you feel bitter, does it? I don't want to hear about video games, but I just like hearing you talk. But there's an expectation. Yeah, that's fine. I just no, no, I like hearing no, you talk. That's why I was giving you a compliment, but now, now I'm the now I'm the villain of the piece yet again. <laughs> yeah, we have made you the villain. I'm very. I'm sad. not used to that. I, don't know, I feel bad now. I, I'll talk about a video game. Yeah. Sure, I'll do it. I'm, I'll do I'm the a thing. baby face, born and bred. <laughs> I've been playing a video game this week that I think Conrad would be really into. Ooh. Oh, I've been playing a new roguelike uh, that is currently on uh, Game Pass on both PC and Xbox. Oh, this. Okay, I've seen the name of this. Yes, Undermine. Yeah, I've seen this around, and I haven't played it yet. Yeah, I've had it downloaded since like October, November last year, and just not gotten around to it, and. I'm really digging it. It's the first... Uh, Digging it? (laughs) (laughs) You see, I was trying to come up with a different undermined pun about my behaviour on this podcast today. Uh, I see. You see? So you're playing Underminer. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. So uh, Undermine is a top-down roguelike that it's sort of set up like your uh, Binding of Isaac kind of games where you've got like a map made up of a certain number of distinct rooms. Every floor has an upgrade that you get. Uh, You move down to the next floor. Eventually there's a boss and you you move on to the next zone. It's one of those kind of games. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You have two main attacks, which are a melee pickaxe, which is your stronger of your attacks, Mm -hmm. or you can throw your pickaxe like it's a boomerang and sort of use that as your ranged attack. It comes back to you. Mm -hmm. You can change its return trajectory based on moving after you've thrown it. Oh, yeah. Love that. Which I'm always a big fan of. Uh The way that it does its dodging is you have a jump button, which uh, functions as as a dodge. If you are off the ground, you are dodged. Okay. Um, which takes a little getting used to. Coming off of something like Hades, where I've been doing a lot of dashing, mm. it's not the most immediately like you know. I'm, it didn't click with me straight away, yeah. but I, I got there with it. It's very Errol Flynn jumping over attacks. Yeah. So the whole idea of this game is you are you you are being sent down into these mines to try and work out what is causing earthquakes down in 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 the lower depths, and right. on all of your runs. Collect as much money as you can, because in between runs, you have various shops where you can get permanent upgrades. Fuck yeah. These come in a couple of different categories. You've got, like, your damage and health upgrades. You've got bomb upgrades. You've got specific potions or potion-carrying ability upgrades that you sort of... Basically, you're trying to avoid spending money during the run where you can, so that you've got more money to spend on permanent stuff after the run. There's a couple of, like, really nice stylistic touches to it. Lots of just, like, very charming little details. Whenever you find rocks that have gold in them and you're mining the gold out of them, tiny little slimes come in from off screen and try and steal your gold, so you've got to mine it out the rocks and then go and grab it. And if Ooh, any of the, I like that. If any of the slimes pick up some of your gold, you have a couple of seconds to hit them with your pickaxe and make them drop it before they, they get away with the gold, which is really fun. Initially, there's this really interesting mechanic that goes on regarding how much of your money you can leave a run with. So at the start of the game, 50% of your currency is dropped upon death. Uh, you can upgrade that by upgrading your your money sack so that you take a bigger chunk of it back with you for permanent upgrades, but it means that at least in the opening hours of the game, your money is worth twice as much to you in a run as it is outside of a run, because you are going to lose half of it regardless when you finish the run, which creates this sort of interesting progression of how willing I felt to spend money in a run on upgrades 
you know, at the start, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to lose half my money anyway, so I might as well spend some of this extending my run. And then later being like, oh, well, now now all of it comes with me. I don't actually want to spend any of it unless it's on permanent shit. But that's interesting, too, because yeah. that plays into your skill development as a player as you become less reliant on those buffs and things that you collect in the environment. Exactly. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah. It's also got some really nice mechanics regarding uh, there's this curse system. So basically, every now and then you might find a purple curse chest that will give you a couple of a couple of really good upgrades, but it will also give you a random curse. And uh, they come in major and minor varieties. These chests will usually be a minor, and it could be anything from it costs you twice as many keys to open locks now through to a major one might be you now take triple damage from every enemy. Mm -hmm. And you you don't know which curse you're going to get when when those get offered, right. but usually for the minor ones, it's like, okay, it's probably worth it for the, 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 the cool benefits I'm going to get from some upgrades. Once you've started taking some curses, you'll occasionally between floors get offered very, very, very good items, but they come with very high curse counts. So it's like, oh, do you want this incredibly powerful late game sword but we're going to give you three major curses for it the risk reward on that is really fun i've been really enjoying it yeah it's just a really neat little little roguelike i'm having a lot of fun with it the only other thing i want to mention as well is sometimes if you get certain combinations of upgrades throughout a run they will combine oh and so yeah a, you love those synergies yeah they'll be, like if you've got two things that synergize together they will combine into a single item and go they now do both those things that they used to do plus something else. Love that. Uh, you might be like, oh, I had an upgrade that made some some skulls float around me and they would block projectiles, and I had an upgrade that uh, made it so if I slash at an incoming attack, it reflects it back. Uh, I have both of them. Now those skulls also reflect shots rather than just my sword hits doing it. It's got a really nice sense of progression to it. I've been enjoying the way that they've managed uh, story. Unlike something like Hades, where a lot of it is in between runs, stop and do a lot of story. Here they have NPCs that you will naturally find throughout your various runs. If you do the quest that will get them, they'll go back up to the top and you can visit them between runs for their mechanical benefit, which is they'll usually be like, ah, you rescued an NPC from down here. Here's a new permanent upgrade shop for a different kind of upgrades. And yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really digging it. Yeah, it seems it, it seems yeah, I'm I've already installed it and I'm I'll probably be playing that this week. Yeah. That sounds good. Like I'm I'm curious as well. I'm not as yeah. like super duper into roguelikes, but the right one and I can get like hooked on it for a long time. Yeah, and like I I'm I'm not going to oversell this. It doesn't like having come off of the back of Hades being the big roguelike I played last year. There are certainly some things from Hades that I feel lacking here sure. because, you know, a lot of games are going to stack up poorly to Hades in some regards. Like the inability to sort of shape what sort of upgrades I'm going to get in a run is something I'm feeling and the jump dodge doesn't feel as satisfying as a traditional dash but the issues I have are they're very minor I'm having a great time with this game ah. cool 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 so yeah Undermine I highly recommend checking it out it's on PC and Xbox on Game Pass uh, it's like 15 bucks I think on Switch no it's, it's, it's on sale for 16 bucks on Xbox right now I guess Lovely. Yeah. Uh, what about you both? Have either of you played anything else you want to chat about this week? What'd you play, Jim? I'm skeptical a neon pink Ganesha monster in my pocket should be that much, even if it was banned in the UK, because it's a monster in my pocket mm, yeah. of Ganesha. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> what have you played this week? <laughs> I played... I'm trying to think. Well, I'll do the mobile ones first i feel really bad about having been naughty now i did what was it called tortoise it's a battle tortoise game and it's on android i don't know why i did this i was sort of like well i've been sort of i've gotten that sort of fixation problem i've been having and it's a lot of it's been phone based and better a game about a shooting tortoise than looking at pink monster in my pocket is it called war tortoise uh yes you're a big tortoise with a mouse on on your shell and you shoot things like frogs and spiders and other things will sort of come towards you and little things will appear in the sky and shoot at you and it's 
It's kind of like one of those idle games. Yeah. Like a cookie clicker or, or idle heroes, that kind of shit. It has idle shooter literally in its name on the on the on the app store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got it because it was a big tortoise. So and it was free. And I was it, it was two in the morning. It's a big tortoise wearing metal on its head. How could you not? Well yeah. You know. If if it is the graveyard hours and you're desperate for something to do because you can't fall asleep, then be a mouse on a tortoise. <laughs> It's what it is. I mean, it's disappointing because all of these games on mobile are now, um, the the majority of them, unless you're on like a, an Apple Arcade or a, a Google Play Pass and that, where there are none of the ads and the extra costs and all of that shit. It's like I'd have paid a dollar or two for this game and then it could have had all of its other monetization that it's fucking got in there. And, and I'd have enjoyed it. Or the other way around, you know, I don't mind some microtransactions in a free game. Like, I'm not that hardline. Right. But when the loot boxes are in there, mm, fuck off. So it's, it's this fun or, like, adorable tortoise war game. And I quite like some of these idle things sometimes. Mm-hmm. If they're not pestering me for money, I don't mind them. But... Like, all of the fun unlocks are all behind paywalls. You know, all of the skins for the tortoises and and everything. There's an energy limit. There's more than one currency. Like, it's got all of the shit. And that's so many of these games. And it's why I see no value in a mobile market that I used to defend. Back in the um, sort of mid-2000s and that, when mobile gaming was was really sort of taking off, the audience I had... Um, when there's still a large contingent of sort of, you know, the more hardcore gamer audience. But back then there was a lot more of the hostile casual stuff. Whereas these Mm -hmm. days it's sort of, it's still there, but the majority of the community, even among the gamers TM, find it, you know, them a bit pathetic. Mobile games aren't video games. That was it. They're not real games. They're for casuals. They're... Uh, you know, fuck the people saying they're the future. Don't you dare call yourself a gamer if all you play games is on your phone. Yeah, and I said, look, I don't think mobile games, um, certainly as they stood at the time, and, you know, even now for the immediate, they're not the, the future, but as I said at the time, they're clearly a part of the future. Yeah. You know, this is the future compared to them, and they're a big part of it. And in many ways, not through the very platform's fault but through the people that have exploited it it's it's not a good future and it's influencing the future for the worst i also want to know how many of those people say vr is the future or Mm. have said vr is the future just curious maybe um well i'll ask ben (laughs) uh (laughs) it's at the point the way every game or every big one has become this free-to-play uh multiple currency just just basically it's a vector for uh, spending. Mm-hmm. That's what it's there for. Yeah. So it's got to the point now where my very sense of value in the market has been diminished to such a point that when there is a game that charges up front, I still can't give a fuck and think, oh, I don't want to spend that. And that's bad. That's a shit attitude and I hate it. I want to play games on my phone and there are good ones and I've spent money on them and my God, I can't recommend Million Onion Hotel enough. Oh, God, yeah. It's so fucking good. It's good. Yeah. And, you know, if it's Onion Games, I'll certainly take a punt on that every single time. A lot of the times I'm like, this game could be good, but meh. And that's that shit. I think the Play Pass and the Arcade were a very good idea in that regard. I'd forgotten to change my card for the Play Pass, uh. so I hadn't had it for a while, but I got it running again just been downloading a load of stuff plus i've downloaded every marvel game so i can go through them and see how many of them are the exact same fucking thing (laughs) the exact same inexcusable filth conrad have you been playing anything else this week i played prey for 25 minutes the newer one the newer one Mm -hmm. how are those 25 minutes i i think the credit sequence they did was pretty clever yeah (laughs) yeah yep 
But that's really all I had to say. I just got the wrench. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, that's basically all you've got time yeah. to see in that is, oh, I, I see what they did with their opening yeah. here. Yeah, but I'll have some thoughts on it, you know, later. It's a very good opening. Yeah, it's a very good opening. I, you know, I like I like coming out of the apartment the second time. Yeah, yeah. A well done effect. I'll, I'll play. I'm intrigued. It, one one thing that stands out immediately is how clearly they had VR in mind for this game. Huh. Because of how immersive it focuses around. Like, it doesn't feel like a game that was first and foremost ex- uh, meant to be experienced on a flat screen. I hadn't really considered that. But I, I, I feel like I can see it. Right? Like, there's just something about the visual design, the movement of the camera that gives it a sense, like, especially in that tram sequence where you're sitting still. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm looking around. And I say, oh, I like what they did with the credit sequence. I'm going to actually get into that a little bit more because there's a couple of you know, like neat things about it. Because you have that freedom to look around and it is incredibly slow. So there's a very good chance you're going to get bored. And just sit still. But if you're not looking in the right direction, you might miss the Arcane Studios credit on the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. And so the person piloting the helicopter tells you great view over the bay today. So you know to look to the right window in the event you weren't looking out at already and see that credit. Mm. It's very clever use of leaving you in control of something while still drawing your attention to the stuff that they would usually use a forced camera to make sure you didn't miss. Right, and it's those sorts of things that, like, make me feel like VR was very much a consideration at all points in the design here, because, you know, otherwise... They could have just stationaried that, made the experience feel normal, have you auto pan over when it says that so that you can see it. There's lots of other ways it could have been done. Mm. I don't know. Could just be me. But that, that it's and I don't hate that. You know, it's a different experience than I, I, I feel used to. Maybe I just don't play enough first person games anymore. Mm. But it, it felt really well defined. The world feels yeah. fleshed out. The environments are great. And I'm looking forward to like having combat encounters. It is a game that definitely knows what it wants to be and has a very clear vision, which I always appreciate. That's the best kind of game. Like, you can really tell the difference between a game that truly, like, knows its identity. Yeah, and if nothing else, this game definitely had a clear idea and stuck with it. Yeah, it's not like Outriders, which is like... I can tell bits of this game are good, but I can't tell which ones, and I can't tell what which ones they knew they wanted to do. Which bits of this were deliberate, and which ones yeah. did they stumble into? So I think it's always glaring when you play a game, and it's like, oh, they set out to achieve something and, and got what they wanted. Yeah. Did anyone have any other video games they wanted to talk about, or shall we head towards the news? Uh, I would just briefly say I'm enjoying Persona 5 still. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, how how far in into it are you? I know I'm like, like sort of 47, 48 hours in. Okay. I think we just got the name of the Mafia guy. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. We were just, I was just at the point where I was trying to get the job, trying to get the, the, the dealing job that they trying to get high schoolers into so i'm at that bit yes it's good time yeah it's it's a good game yeah the monster designs are always i mean in the series have always been great and the yeah the sense of style like the music and the animations and the overall um aesthetic of it is just very confident committed flamboyance and i'm very there for that on that similar note i am nearing the end now of persona 5 strikers Ah. and that game has really, really impressed me in how how solid of a sequel to Persona Five that feels, mm-hmm. and the gameplay has kept uh, has kept really fresh and inventive throughout. It's just a really, really well made game. It uh. is the fact that everyone before launch was seeing it as a Persona Warriors really undersells how good this game is. Alrighty. So I I think I think when when you finish Persona Five. I think you'd really dig Strikers. Yeah. I'd not started Persona 5 again like explicitly to do Strikers, but I am looking forward to it, especially playing more of Persona 5. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm ready for for a more like actionized, yeah. not 
instead of this but it's like i'm enjoying yeah. this and knowing there's sort of this other action game as well is like oh that's something to look forward to also and laura i hadn't seen the norman reedus one. Oh, the norman reedus I one just had a, i just saw the messages where you showed us all the ass pictures <laughs> i hadn't seen the norman reedus one i mean i hadn't i'd seen the tra- i think i've seen the tracer one now that i'm looking at the it the norman reedus one's great the reedus right? one is fucking amazing he's about to cry out of out of just how much this ass means to him i mean yeah like just just treasuring that ass and i also just like the just just indiana jones considering it just hmm, <laughs> what what have we here very good stuff 10 on 10. I will make sure to tweet these when the episode goes up. But yeah, let's get into the news. And there's one news story in particular that I feel like we all have thoughts and opinions about. So, um... The story here is that there was a an article on Kotaku that had the headline <laughs> Pokemon Go's eggs are not loot boxes, <laughs> but fun surprises. Ha 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 Sure, mate, fill your boots. So I know you both have a lot of opinions about this. As someone who was like really, really, really entrenched in Pokemon Go's economy until this year, I wanna jump in on this first, if that's okay. Sure, I wish I'd had um the fucking I never think of things in time. If I'd had the wherewithal, I'd have loved to have had you on. Because I couldn't be fucked to do it again. I mean, I will probably just like clip this bit of the podcast this week and stick it up as its own thing. Because yeah. oh I've I got thoughts. Yeah, go um, for it. So if this headline had been released in, say, the first year or so of Pokemon Go's release, I wouldn't have batted too much of an eyelid. These are definitely loot boxes in that these are randomized things that you can only get a certain amount of at a time for free otherwise you need to pay if you want to unlock more there's one thing i quickly want to point out as well is whether it's paid for or not a loot box is a loot box is a loot box yes on a semantic thing yeah but like here's the thing i wouldn't have you know battered too much of an eyelid at this headline in the first or second year of this game's release because you know what it's tacky and it's incorrect as a statement but in the early days of pokemon go eggs were a lot more of a forgiving uh, economy that you really could just use your one free incubator at a time basically pokemon go sometimes when you spin stops you get given eggs they'll yeah. have random pokemon in them i remember it i was i was playing then yeah yeah for free you get a single incubator which will, you know, put you put an egg in it, you walk the distance, you get the thing that's in, in the egg. Early years of Pokemon Go, there was a very limited selection of things that would hatch from eggs. Most of them were things that you could catch in the wild anyway, so eggs were not a mandatory thing to engage with to complete your Pokedex. The things that were exclusive to eggs were things that were not time limited so you could take as long as you wanted to get them and you could just keep using the free incubator and not feel any kind of artificial scarcity of this thing's gonna go away before i manage to hatch enough eggs to find one Mm -hmm. the game was very good about you can just passively unlock these as you go and it's not a problem as time has gone on and particularly in the past 12 months particularly since say the beginning of 2020 um niantic has made a real change in the way that they've run pokemon go Mm -hmm. they have seemingly decided to start trying to squeeze money out of whales i think is the best way to put it it's always gonna happen like it's yeah it's yeah it's inevitable yeah and and i stopped playing this year because of the aggressive moves they made on monetization i'll get to the eggs in a second Mm. but some other examples that went on are regular monthly paid events where you can't get the pokemon you know unless you pay for the event and often shiny status is locked behind those sometimes entire species are locked behind those what a fun present yeah uh, a real shift towards things like um charging you money if you want to transfer more than four pokemon a week from go into the main game i remember that you were not happy. What a fun present. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm still trying to move my shiny collection. It's the only thing I log into Pokemon Go for <laughs> anymore is up. once a week I transfer four shiny Pokemon out of Pokemon Go. Fucking Nora. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to eggs. One of the things that they've started doing with Pokemon Go in the past year is having time-limited exclusive Pokemon hatching from eggs. <sighs> they've started having Pokemon that, oh, this Pokemon, you can hatch it from, from say, usually a 10-kilometer egg. It's of this rarity, usually very low if you're getting them it takes 10 kilometers to hatch an egg so you're gonna have to 
walk a bloody long time to naturally hatch one of these out of a 10k egg, you know, through luck. Yeah. Often putting shiny status behind them as well and being like hey you've only got until this date to hatch a shiny dno out of a 10 kilometer egg mm. and that artificial deadline combined with only being able to unlock one egg at a time combined with hey you're not going to be able to get the shiny if you don't get it during yeah. this event it, it's all of that kind of stuff that doesn't technically force you to spend money but i call it the ticking goblin yeah yeah it's a thing it's a it's a strategy it's well it was in that Torolf Jernstrom talk. Yeah. That's why I call it the ticking goblin, because he used a slide of a goblin with a clock. Yeah. And talked about how you put pressure on the customer that way. You, exactly. You tell them, this is going to go, this is going to go. Let's say, on average, to get a DNO from a 10-kilometer egg, you're going to have to hatch, let's say, an average of 15 eggs. That's 150 kilometers you have to walk before whatever like you know time-limited event goes away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a poke stop. Um, about that distance from my... It's on the corner of Pride and Accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, here's the problem, is that, like, technically, you could do that for free, but are you going to walk 150 kilometres in a very short period of time? Well, it's optional. It's all learned in game. Yeah, or are you going to buy a bunch of super incubators, which uh, take two-thirds of the walking distance off, uh, buy enough super incubators so that you can have nine, uh, a full set of nine eggs incubating at once, mm -hmm. you know, so that you can walk, like, three kilometres and have nine eggs uh, hatch, yeah. so that you're, like, most of the way to your 15 you need to statistically find a DNO. Also, players of Pokemon Go can only carry nine eggs with them at any one time. You can't opt to throw away an egg that is not the rarity that you want to be hatching. So let's say the Pokemon you want is in a 10 kilometer egg yeah. and your entire inventory is currently full of two and uh, five kilometer eggs. You're going to have to oh, go and hatch God. those two and five kilometer eggs that you didn't want any of the spawns from to make more room to hope that you get a 10 kilometer egg so that you can then have a roll to try and get that Pokemon. Like the fact that you have to unlock boxes that you don't want to unlock to make space for more boxes so that you can roll for the thing again incentivizes what if I just bought nine superior incubators so I could clear out my entire inventory at once so I can get nine new yeah. eggs and see if one of them's the 10 kilometer egg. That is actual mayhem. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you I'm sure you've thought about this bit, almost certainly, um, because it's your wheelhouse. Um, well, I know that, that accessibility and Pokemon Go have always been a thing. You know, some people can't yeah, do all the walking. Yeah. And this. Yeah. This. Not just skip the grind, skip <sighs> the walk, skip the gatekeeping that you face as a disabled person. Super incubators are an acknowledgement that there are people who will pay money to do less walking in this game. And they will they will sure as hell monetize that. And uh yeah. This has been a really bad year for Pokemon Go. Talking just broadly about that game and accessibility, they introduced a bunch of measures at the start of lockdown that were designed to help people play from home during the pandemic, but also made it so that disabled people could finally play that game on an even footing with other with other players. We saw that with so much last year. So many yeah. things that were impossible. So many jobs that just couldn't be done from home. And all of that got taken away toward the end of last year because of course it did. That's fucking vile, by the way. Yeah. And and you know what you know what? Pokemon Go had its most profitable year ever yet last year. The fact that they let people play from home clearly didn't impact their bottom line. Why the fuck take that away? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm actually genuinely not sure yeah. why they took it away. Because sure, getting all the walking and stuff was it was part of a great sales pitch. Yeah. They don't need that sales pitch. And it would, people just, people want Pokemon. People want to catch Pokemon. Yeah, people want Pokemon in their phone. Yeah. Yeah. So not only is suggesting that Pokemon Go's eggs are not loot boxes ridiculous, mm. saying it this year is the most ridiculous time you could have said it because... They've always been loot boxes, but they are the most aggressively predatory loot boxes they have ever been. Yeah. Conrad, I know you have a lot of opinions about the text of this uh, article. Do you want to? Do you want to chime in? Uh, I'm very frustrated with this Kotaku piece, and 
you know, it's an opinion. Yeah. It sure is. I think it's a bad, poorly formed opinion yeah. that does not take into consideration other points of view, because it probably has never had to consider them before. The piece very much assumes this isn't a problem for me, so it's not a problem. Yeah. Right. Well, it's another one of these fucking ancient arguments that their accountant points to, but they seem to have the comfort and freedom to constantly ignore. And the thing that I find so frustrating about an article written like this is that it is the perspective that I have, right? Mm. This perspective represents my point of view solely without any exterior information. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I never went to the effort to talk to other people about this idea, this is the idea I would have. Yeah. yeah. I do a show so opinionated. It's got my fucking name in it. <laughs> Like, you can't get more opinionated and arrogant than that. But I don't barrel in not knowing what people are saying. Yeah. I'll say this. I don't want to get too much into the, the, the piece itself. And obviously, no. like, you know, don't go hassle the writer or anything. Yeah, please do not. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this about the, the article itself. It frustrates me to no end see someone make the argument, well, I've never felt pressured to buy them, so they're not loot boxes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's not in the victim demographic. Yeah. Yes. Hey, I, I don't promote my work during the middle of the show very often, but hey, the same day as that article went up, I posted an episode of Accessibility all about how microtransactions and particularly loot boxes really prey mm-hmm. on disabled gamers as one of the groups that they really get the hooks into. And like, hey, just because you're not susceptible to them doesn't mean that there's not lots of groups like disabled people, people with gambling addictions, children mm-hmm. who are very susceptible to these deliberately manipulatory tricks. I'm susceptible to to this stuff. Yeah, so am I. I, all right, I do want to, there is one thing, because you just said something yeah. and it triggered me. Using up players' remote raid passes to do garbage like that is gross and doubly so when it makes my excited little boy burst into tears. Mm-hmm. It makes your child cry. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I... Yeah. I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah. Hey, maybe recognize that your kid is one of the people impacted by these predatory monetization practices and see that they're bad. Was this written by Bean Dad? (laughs) (laughs) Is this, you know, go out and get a job and then you can get your own fucking eggs? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not here to cast aspersions in terms of, I don't know this person personally. I just, I think that when you are writing this piece and you're talking about these things and you give that example and it's not a cause for reflection, it should be. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd torn into some of the wording of that article more. Yeah. But I just, I'm just so angry at the entirety of the more traditional establishment media on this stuff. And I'm not saying... Like, that sounds almost conspiratorial. It's not that. No. It's the privilege of sheer ignorance. Yeah. They get to ignore everyone who has pointed out these problems, just like they ignore so many problems in the game industry. People tell me that I'm, you know, I'm waffling on sometimes when I talk about this kind of stuff, but I talk about it because it impacts me. Like, I was a daily active player of Pokemon Go who had to stop playing that game because in the last 12 months, they started doing all of the psychological tricks designed to get me to spend beyond my means. And I had to stop playing. I will say this. Journos who want to mouth off on this, journos, pundits, um, talking heads, I mean, corporate apologists, let's be honest. <laughs> if any, like, like corpos want to barrel into these subjects, subjects that some of us have been covering for such a long time, we're basically experts in it, right? But don't talk to those people. Well, ask them to see if the people they've interviewed are willing to talk to them as well, because... They should talk to the people who have been preyed upon by these games. They should talk to the person who had gambling issues and found escape from it in video games until the gambling came for them there. Yeah. Talk to those fucking people. Talk to those people who have lost very genuine money on this because of explicitly manipulative systems that are designed to prey on their very issues that they're using games to cope with. Yeah. How 
dare you ignore all of this like you have done for years so that you can keep defending the companies sending you games. And I know, I know how that makes me sound. I know that makes me sound game again. But at this point, why are you sticking up for them? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ah. Uh. So that's that story. They're definitely loot boxes. Yeah. Yes. Like 100% they are loot boxes. This approach, this change to how the eggs work that, you know, now lets you see what your percentage odds are of getting things, it only strengthens the comparison to slot machines. Yes, it's what FIFA does too. Yeah. It only draws attention to the fact that this is gambling. It's the thing that you only ever do if what you're doing is gambling or loot boxes to try and avoid regulation. Like, this is clearly the kind of move you make because Niantic's probably worried, oh, these are going to get labeled loot boxes. Um, and we're going to get in trouble for it being gambling. Yeah. Let's post our results. That's what you do with loot boxes. That's what you do with gambling. And here's, you know, here's the other thing. Like, if you've got assets, if you've got resources, and you're putting them up for the chance of a game, guess what? Regardless of, of what regulations say, that is literally a gamble. It's literally gambling. Just like with your loot boxes, if they're boxes and they've got random things in, guess the fuck what? They're loot boxes. Just because you can or can't pay for them on a semantic and literal level, they're loot boxes. On top of that, we're dealing with a a game where you can get them with money. Yeah. Um, And we have these games that money launder with their microtransactions and their loot boxes. It's like, well, they started that with the in-game currencies, but when that got too dicey, now it's like, get the time savers that let you get the loot boxes early. That's still monetized, you fools. The loot boxes you get for leveling up in Overwatch, right, are still loot boxes. They're not different from the the ones in that game you pay for. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Dense. Deliberately dense. Everyone go watch my video from, from Friday. Go do that. Watch the whole series. Watch accessibility. Go go watch accessibility. Yeah, it's go great. watch those. There's like like five percent if you watch that series. Go watch it if That's you right. haven't. Go 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 watch it. There's some other there's some other bits of news. Uh they are considerably less anger inducing. Uh, some of them we can get through nice and quick. You know that 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 Zack Snyder Justice League cut that that everyone's been waffling about for fucking forever? Yeah. Yeah. This is just a short, stupid little story. There's an Easter egg of, like, a, 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 a symbol that appears on a sword. I won't say, like, what character symbol it's meant to be. Ah, oh, surprise. The Thundercat symbol. Y- yes, it's the Thundercat Please. symbol. But instead of the DC Comics character's symbol that should be there... It's a symbol from a Halo game. Oh, yeah, I saw that headline. (laughs) Yeah. So the short version of this story is... Uh, my understanding is that there was some kind of fan fiction that was written at some point that crossed over Halo and DC. I don't think, I don't know that that's it. I think it was just that on a a wiki, somebody um, wanted to make a type logo and it came up, uh, you know, on a search because of Google algorithmic stuff. I don't think it was necessarily a crossover. I think they just thought it looked cool and made an, ad- an adaptation of it. Well, the, the point remains, a Halo symbol that was never to do with DC Comics started rising up the Google image search results, and clearly whoever was making this film typed the character's name and symbol into Google Images, picked the first image they saw, didn't realize they just put a Halo image on a sword. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so, um, yeah, it's, there, er, this is a theory, at least. If you do a search for the character's name symbol, that image is the first thing that pops up. <laughs> so. My favorite thing about this is people who worked on the film tweeting about this Easter egg, not realizing, and being like, ah, we've got that character's symbol on the sword. <laughs> oh, isn't that clever? Without realizing. Master Chief oh. confirmed for the DCU. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's that's a thing that happened this week. Uh, Devotion has returned to being on sale mm. digitally after two years after it was delisted. Hell yeah! Devotion, it, it's that horror game that that got delisted because Mr. Xi Jinping. It was a Winnie the Pooh joke in there. Yeah, yeah, there was a Winnie the Pooh joke, and um, 
yeah, it, it got taken off sale. Uh, it's now available DRM-free on the developer's own store. Well, there you go. So there you go. Uh, that that game apparently had very, very positive reviews when it came out, and it's good that it's digitally available again now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we got some more elaboration about where and where not we're going to see Bethesda games in the future. Mm-hmm. We, we had a little bit of a touch on this oh, last yeah. week, but we, we got a more um, sturdy statement. I'll read the longer statement because I think it, it really clarifies things. This is Phil Spencer. Obviously, I can't sit here and say every Bethesda game is an Xbox exclusive because we know that's not true. There's contractual obligations that we're going to see through. We have some games that exist on other platforms and we're going to go and support those games on the platforms they're on. Mm-hmm. There's communities of players. We love those communities and we'll continue to invest in them. And, you know, even in the future, there might be other contractual things or legacy on different platforms that we'll do. But if you're an Xbox customer, I want you to know that this is about delivering great games for you that ship on the platforms where Game Pass exists. So it's not to say they're going to stop supporting PlayStation versions of their games and stuff that we know has exclusivity like Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo on PS5 will still happen, but basically they're going to be an Xbox studio. Mm-hmm. The only thing I found interesting in there was the, the mention of legacy on other platforms might be a reason that they would go multi-platform. And I can't think, like, is there specific Bethesda titles that you would think, ah, that's got a legacy on PlayStation that they'll probably still bring it there? Uh... Like, I can't think of any of their series that, like, to me scream, oh, that's a PlayStation Bethesda series. Well, for a while they were uniquely shit on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I, yeah, I'm not... Shocked. Yeah. I, you know, I do think that they're passing up some money um, because I don't expect that they're going to get a ton of converts yeah. on the basis of these Bethesda properties. I would have expected a double dip. Time exclusives. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I think if you say Bethesda's lineup of software is going to be Xbox exclusive, I think that sells consoles. They'll get some sales. They will get some sales for sure. I think that is probably the first acquisition Microsoft has made where I go... There are people who will buy your console over your competitors for this. Yeah, I don't know. I just I can't help but wonder. Well, you get people tied into the platform and then maybe you can have yeah. them forever, at least until somebody else has an exclusive that's so desperately wanted. I can't help but feel like this just eventually gets people to buy everything that if they're actually dedicated yeah. or just be miserable. Well, I would say... You know, whether they shift consoles or not, they'll get their money's worth from Bethesda fairly easy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. I think about, like, look, look at some of their, their franchises. Doom, for example. Oh, yeah. The, ne- the next Doom being, you know, exclusive to Xbox is going to be a big deal. Well, I don't, I don't know. I think of Doom as like a PC franchise. So I don't... I mean, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be PC as well. That's where they will get more converts. Yeah. Like, it's where mm. they've got the most potential. Yeah. Because you've still yes. got to spend money to sign up for Game Pass, but to get hold of Bethesda games. And the barrier to entry is lower, though. You don't have to have hardware the way you would with Sony. Yeah. 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 So to spend, you know, the Game Pass money to potentially have free access to Bethesda's games, you know, quote-unquote free access on your PC... I can see a lot of PC players suddenly thinking to themselves, you know what? Maybe we're not that loyal to Steam. Meanwhile, Prey landed on Xbox Game Pass, and it's the only reason I'm playing it. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And it was the only one of those games that I was like, yeah, okay, I want to play that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, they dumped like 20 uh, Bethesda games on Game Pass to celebrate like, oh, hey, the, the sales official, come, hey. come have a bunch of Bethesda games. That's a thing, isn't it? They can do what they want now. They can do what they want. Uh, I think that was that was it on the on the news, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. yeah. Do we do it? Yeah. I think we do it. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Laura. Yeah? There are other things you did, not just this podcast, I say accusatorily. <laughs> what have you done? Tell tell the tell the nice listeners what you've done. Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz everywhere on the internet: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. 
I, I do short uploads on TikTok as well now. I do little 60 second videos. Yeah, very useful stuff. Yeah, I do little 60 second videos about LGBT stuff and neurodiversity. Just little 60 second let me teach you a thing videos. Mm -hmm. uh, so go check those out. Uh, I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Except currently it's 9pm UK until the UK clocks change because... Time zones are weird. Mm. Every Friday, I upload episodes of Accessibility over on youtube.com slash Laura K Buzz. It's a series all about accessibility in the games industry. Go give it a watch. I work real hard on it. I'm very proud of it. I've got books. Uncomfortable Labels. That's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That's out now. Gender Euphoria is coming out on June 10th, 2021. Mmm, exciting. I am excited. It's gone to the printers. Uh, I can now talk about the fact that I got a bunch of really cool people's quotes on the cover of that book, including Chelsea Manning, Fox Fisher, Christine Burns, Abigail Thorne. Uh, some really, some real cool people quoted on on there. I'm very pleased with how how people seem. I've sent copies to seem to have been enjoying it. So hooray! Also, Pixel Squirt. It's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, it's where I talk about things that aren't video games. And Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every season's its own story, you can jump in wherever. I'm on seasons three through eight. Comrade, you were on that show, right? I was on that show from seasons five through seven. And you can find me on Twitter too, at Conrad Zimmerman, and also on Twitch at that Conrad Zimmerman, because Twitch won't let me have my name. Um, I, I stream a pretty varied schedule there. Monday evenings, Tuesday afternoons, Fridays, earlier afternoons, Sunday mornings. But hey, if you just follow it, then it'll tell you. And that's way more convenient. Uh, you could also buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. Uh, you could also listen to me on another podcast that I should be doing a better job of promoting called Let's Talk About Snacks. Let's talk about snacks. It's about snacks. Snacks. Snacks, you know, things that you, you eat when you aren't eating meals. Yeah, the kind of thing Conrad's forced to eat, including meals. <laughs> including meals. <laughs> We just gotta like get a funnel now for you. It's it, 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 I've gained six pounds in the last six months. I'll have you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm starting to not resemble pleased. a skeleton. <laughs> genuinely pleased. And you can support everything I'm doing, including you know uh, the money required to feed me at <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/FistShark. You know who else has a Patreon though? I think I know. Jim does. Yeah. Oh, it couldn't be. It couldn't be me uh, yeah patreon.com slash gymquisition uh, that keeps all this stuff funded you know keeps the company a moving hot metal lobster company i didn't really bring it up i don't think on the podcast but that's a thing yeah i don't know that you've ever talked about that yeah we've we've set up a thing we have to you know do all sorts of cool things um also uh, i've started up knock wood i've i've started up regularly streaming again on my tuesdays uh, I am for about two, three on a Tuesday. I'm trying to do more days. I've just got to really sort my fucking head out. <laughs> I'm like my brain's in like six different directions. So once I pull the drawstrings on that, I can I can finally look at streaming more reg. Uh, and also, I did a impressions this week, so I'm trying to kick them up again. So you can check out the latest latest Gilson B Pontus uh, triumph, uh, <laughs> Tai Shogun Rise of Emperor. Uh, check it out. Uh, we went a little overboard on the edits and everything. It was it was <laughs> very good. So yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye bye. <laughs>